Welcome to the Enneagram with Chelsea and Nicoel. This is a positively deviant culture podcast anchored in the Enneagram. In this episode, we're picking up where we left off thinking about the type three. But before we get into it, we have a quick reminder. Yeah, every time I want to make a reminder to listeners that this isn't a prescriptive fixed tool and that our conversations are designed to work with the material and the ideas in an exploratory way. And as long as I've been working with the Enneagram over all the years, you know, my knowledge and application continues to evolve. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've already unpacked a lot about the core brilliance of the three, how the three moves in times of stress and flourishing, and also some of the paradoxes of the three. But today we're really focused on how we all have a little bit of three within us. And so understanding what that might look like, as well as learning how we can potentially lean into or leverage those threes around us. So in thinking about their core brilliance of this art of becoming and kind of showing us how we can be more of a full, complete, whole being, I'm really excited to tee up this conversation and thinking about you know, what ways we experience the threes around us and then within us. For me personally, this is where I have landed in terms of uh, after all of the years of um, studying the Enneagram and being an entrepreneur myself, starting companies, helping other people start companies, uh, working with companies, working with systems, and then landing just absolutely square in human systems what I am most committed to is the art of becoming and which involves the art of processing, you know, which is very complex. And this really is the landscape of the three. And it doesn't show up as clearly in our culture because of the negative sides of three, of our three culture of being performative and and um, surface and um, the focus on products and, and money, right? As we will discuss more about that in a whole other episode. The three in me, <laughs> and, and, and I think the best of humanity actually ends up in this place, which is becoming better people, better sisters and brothers and daughters and sons and and lovers and partners and, you know, employees and, and leaders, right? This is it. <laughs> this is the space of becoming. And so I think that that's a great place to start when we think about the three in us and we think about the threes around us is that there's this ultimate place that threes teach us. And then the question is, is how can we actually notice when that isn't present and what kind of energy and skills are required to engage the process of becoming? We've talked a little about how our culture falls short. And I think our business systems too, which are reflective of that culture, falls short of the fullness of the opportunity to become something more, to redefine success as in not just becoming the gold standard of performance to hit a certain sales quota or show up a certain way in business. And so when I think about my experience uh, trying on the fit of three, as I have a lot of three in me, I'm reevaluating what those sorts of achievements and successes looked like in terms of what they fulfilled in our culture or in the business I was working in, and then what they added to me 
or subtracted from me as a human being and just really reevaluating. That's exactly what this conversation is. It's about reevaluating the things that we accept as norms and the way that we move about our days through this lens to see, is there more available to us? Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, this is the point is being able to more accurately recognize what is occurring around us and, and how people are living into or breaking away from the systems <laughs> that, that are present. And that's external systems and then also internal systems. So where do you want to start with this, Chelsea? I have a few examples of threes I've worked with, and I think we can unpack mm -hmm. those examples to understand better what was present for them, what was driving some of what I experienced. And then I also have examples of me I'm not a three, but I have a strong three wing. So I have examples of me taking on some of these behaviors, even though they come from a totally different place. And we can unpack what's happening in those instances too. One of the first examples I have working with a three who we know oftentimes threes can show up as really magnificent leaders. And sometimes that's through a whole person formation. Other times we're getting more of the performative nature. But in this particular instance, we had a really, really great um, executive sales leader who engaged with me about building a balanced scorecard. And so the goal of the scorecard was to document and track not just sales KPIs, but also what was the behavior on the person level that was happening in relation to some of these sales metrics. So I think that's a really interesting one and in that this particular three was really interested in measuring the immeasurable or more of the subjective attributes that built into high-performing sales teams. Wow. Well, that's surprising in some ways <laughs> because it's a, it's, it's a little bit countercultural. This particular sales leader did not come from this three culture and that might be playing into some of what we saw, this, this more expansive thinking and less narrowly focused on success at all costs. What I think this example surfaces an interesting reality around threes, that on one hand, threes are able to be very efficient and competent in helping others and themselves live into potential. So whatever the, the opportunity is to perform, right, or to whatever that potential looks like, threes are particularly gifted in their competency and efficiency of getting us there or themselves there, right? And so I think that that is really great. And yet what they often will do instead of focusing on the human and what that individual needs is they'll be overly committed to efficiency, which is one of the kind of temptations of of threes is that they're overcommitted to efficiency at the cost of all the other things, which eventually <laughs> will catch up and create other problems. I saw a little of what you're talking about in my own personal experience in a B2C sales role where I was also a leader. And we talked a little bit about how threes can take on the 
they can be performative, but they can also model for us and show us the way. And so I'm curious to unpack a little bit of this as it relates to what you've just shared, where I was driving sales, but I was doing it through personal modeling and really that inspirational nature where others could see that it wasn't just a sales goal, that there was someone beside them with their sleeves rolled up, showing them the way and inviting them into it. So when you mentioned kind of helping others get there, that's again, there's complexity here because I'm not a type three. And so I had a different motivation, but what that evolved into as a leader was not just me being a good seller, but me paving the path and inviting others to become the best that they could be in this context. Yeah, this is a perfect example of the best of a three. I mean, one that they are where there's an investment into the human being that is included in a drive for a particular outcome. So instead of having only one goal, which is just the outcome, which is, you know, often what humans do, particularly in our culture, because the systems are incentivized for that. Instead of only doing that, I think this is also the space where threes are able to do more, which is to invest in the, in the particular human potential and actually use the human potential as a part of the strategy to get to the outcome. So it's a more sophisticated thinking. It's a more sophisticated investment. And this is really what we want out of our leaders at their best is this is what we want, a more holistic investment that actually is more sustainable because it's more integrated into human systems. And I should say this, into the healthy functioning of human systems. You'd mentioned that threes, the way I picture it in my mind is this like big toolbox, right? Where they have so many tools available to them and they also know which ones to grab in that moment. And so when you talk about the kind of sophisticated nature of what's happening for threes really effortlessly and really naturally, this is, I think, a, a little bit of a picture of what that looks like. Definitely. And like we keep noting throughout all of these conversations, how it can go in the opposite direction. You know, like if there's an overcommitment to efficiency, that efficiency is more myopic. It's temporary. You know, there, there's problems when there's an overcommitment to efficiency, particularly when it's within such a small spectrum of doing or measuring what that outcome is. So what this brings up is measuring. And threes are looking to validate performance, to validate their external doing, to get to a very particular end, which results in success by position and by money. So their measurements are generally going to be in those areas and without realizing that that's not very comprehensive. <laughs> causes problems when they're only external measurements. And so this, this example that you gave this person that you worked with, who was a three, who was actually willing to create um, subjective measurements that were not only externalized or that were more invisible, which is, this is what we call all companies to do and all humans to do individually and collectively is to look for more invisible data or invisible realities that we're not factoring in and we're conditioned not to factor in, right? I'm noticing a couple things in this example. You know, one is the goal is a little more expansive and then how you're measuring that goal is a little more expansive. I've also worked with 
also in the sales domain, leaders who were in different stages of their growth towards becoming and saw more of the performative nature. I still saw a lot of high energy is what I experience across threes, very enthusiastic, very charismatic. And I've also seen very kind of roll up your sleeves and in the trenches besides their team. I think that's where I get some of the inspiration from these kinds of leaders. But I've also seen it where it was a little more short-sighted and maybe not as expansive of thinking. So there was still a commitment side by side, thinking through, iterating, teaching and training, but it was still with the end of a specific sales, or I wouldn't even say in this case, it was really about winning in terms of sales. It was the image this particular leader wanted to project on the organization of how they were achieving and what they were bringing and delivering, right? So that, that very narrow-minded view of success. Ultimately, at our best, that we should present as we actually are, that it's not something that ends up being only surface, only vanity, only a projection, and not actually matching what's real. In the best state, when we show up, where we are polished and put together and have have thought of all the things and are aware of how we're presenting and the words that we use and the energy in which we use them and and how we're able to change our language for our audience. You know, all of these things are all very three things. This is something that's important in terms of having an integrative experience of a human, which includes your external experience of them and also how your internal self is being communicated and, and experienced as well. So in all of those polished examples, I think what the listener receiver of that communication for me has, has I've felt a sense of confidence. Like I can trust this person. This is where they kind of, the natural leadership comes into play. I've also been in situations multiple times where again, with a lot of that three energy in me, I have I've been in careers where I was facilitating nine hours a day for years. And so this was my stage. And I think the stage uh, kind of analogy helps uh, as I unpack this, thinking about going into the boardroom. I have my notes. I have my presentation. I've done it a million times. It was absolutely like getting into the flow of being an actor and Throughout my life, I've tried to uncover what the experience of listeners were when they didn't feel a deep authenticity coming from me. And I think this is it. I think it's this performative nature where it's highly externalized, very polished, can come across as confident, but some people are able to kind of tap into this is a show. I'm a, I'm a receiver of this performance. And so anything that you would add there in terms of what's happening? This ends up being an example of what typically happens in average to disintegrated threes, where it becomes only performance. And you're right that most people who are tuned in, at least over time, like maybe not initially, but over time, other people will feel out that there's some lack of substance that it's purely performative. And this is where we have the certain kind of, you know, stereotypes of like, you know, the slick salesperson, right? Because it's a little too put together. It's a little too slick to where it's like, where is a person in there? And where is a, is something that isn't so scripted or something that hasn't been, uh, repeatedly performed over and over. And not to say that we all don't have this to some degree, right? We all have an act 
that we show up with that's repetitive and very similar. But the flavor of this in, in terms of the three flavor is that it's something that is entirely externalized in order to get a very specific result. So it's not very holistic. Yeah. So when people are like, do you ever get mad? Why are you always smiling? How is everything always positive for you? It was me, I think, in those moments, again, non-three. So what we're talking about here are the behaviors that I was producing that look three-like, even though different motivations, and we can unpack those motivations as they stand for threes as versus any of us taking on three behaviors, but not coming from three motivations. In this case, though, I was reaching into that toolkit and knowing for this moment, I'm choosing this. And it was a calculation. It was a, a desire to meet the moment in a really, really precise way, which can be absolutely positive and hit the mark as we talk about, or can be absolutely received as less than coming from the substantiated place within the internal motivations versus externalization. We find three in ourselves in both the positive and the negative. This great ability to PR ourselves, to, to present ourselves well, and to present ourselves honestly, to understand potential, to, to set goals and achieve them. All of these are the places where we find ourselves, um, the three in us doing really well. And then conversely, it's the same thing we, we struggle with when, when it stops there, when it's only performative, it's only the externalization and our measurements are not very whole. We'll get to this more when we have, when we talk about the misunderstandings, but our culture doesn't catch threes very often because, because our culture rewards three behavior, right? So threes are presenting everything that our culture is saying we want. They're giving. So how do we notice when that's not enough or when what we're wanting is not healthy? How are we to see a disease when it is framed as health? <laughs> and, and that's a call to all of us, right? Like, you know, I think we can all do that and find ourselves, you know, in whatever type we are to some degree doing that. But threes is kind of this place, right, where they're actually living into the ideals of the culture. So I suppose the ultimate place of a three is to be willing to live into their true brilliance, which isn't something that is performative, that it's actually in becoming. In terms of being able to set goals and achieve them, I kind of have to chuckle because as I was preparing for this conversation and thinking about the ways that I've ever noticed three behaviors show up in me, I once decided, you know what, I'm going to run a marathon and I'd never run <laughs> an organized race ever. And my first organized race was a full marathon in San Francisco. And so when you talk about setting a goal and achieving it, it was absolutely join a group three miles this week and then scale up to 21 miles, like the whole deal. Here's the difference though. And this is where we can unpack behaviors versus motivations. It was a fundraising run and I was teamed <laughs> up with team and training. And so as a two, I was like, how can I help? What can I, how can I serve the needs of others and fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society? So that's a very, very different motivation for why a three might set a goal and achieve it. Right. And, and a three could 
want to help too. Like if, if three had a two wing or if, you know, the three was really, you know, integrated into their two self and, and usually it's a lot of things, right? So it's just the priority of those things. So you had probably layers of motivations. And so as a two, it would be, what would be your primary one? And a three doing the same action would probably include all of your motivations as well. It's just what would be primary. And that really is based on the individual, right? In terms of, what the order of their priorities are in any action that they're doing, but that is the conversation that we're having. And so I like it that you use that as an example. Threes might be more tempted to have that as a way to make themselves more public, to be seen a certain way as supporting this or that, but twos can do that too. It's just, right. Twos like to be seen a certain way. We all like to be seen a certain way, you know, and maybe that's the three in us is when we're kind of manipulating situations or being opportunistic in situations in order to get something like attention or prestige or position that probably would be a more classic three thing. I find it the biggest compliment when people have mistyped me as a three <laughs> because eights are kind of far away <laughs> from threes. We kind of take the opposite approach in so many ways. But I think that that's funny because of just what you say, Chelsea, is that the, the crossover between an eight and three might be our, our energy. You know, seven, eight and threes tend to have the most intense energy over time. And that doesn't mean that other types don't have energy. It's the kind of energy. So that could be equally, you know, seen as something similar. We tend to be more authoritative and assertive and self-confident, right? So these are things that can be confused in certain moments. But I know that it's definitely me putting on my three self if I appear and are taking on certain attributes of three, if I look more polished and if I'm more aware of my body and how other people are perceiving me, that's a three place. And that's definitely not an eight place. <laughs> so like you, you know, being a two, taking on three things, similarly, me being an eight, taking on three things, it, we're still able to identify the three in us when we're, when we're showing up in a particular way that feels appropriate for that moment that will have the best outcomes. And so being able to evaluate what are the best outcomes, you know, in the first place, right. And being evaluate how important showing up in a particular way might be in certain moments. Like this is all, you know, the space of, of a three. One of my best friends is a three wing two. And the caveat before I tell this story is that your operating type does not predetermine your professional experience. It doesn't mean that you're going to be an actress or a nurse or a CEO or anything like that. What I find really interesting though about this friend is that she was a nurse. And so she was really tapping into a lot of like help the world. But meanwhile, she was waking up at 5am and writing real estate contracts. And now she's in real estate full time, just total badass, like kind of <laughs> under 30, like she could be in one of those 30 under 30, whatever, like just absolutely crushing it by all of our standards. But it's so interesting to think about when you talk about reprioritizing different motivations, where some of those motivations may have lied in terms of creating her career and then the shift that happens. You know, part of the nuanced conversation is that we contain it all. So, and we're, there's many reasons why there's not a reason why there's not one reason why there's many reasons why we decide to do certain things. Right. And so it's parsing that out in, in ways that become more clear so that we can adjust ourselves 
and to get closer to the truth for why we're making certain choices. And that just opens up the landscape from which we can, you know, I think navigate more intelligently is uncovering this kind of information, this kind of intelligence, which is what we're doing. But it's, you know, it's complicated and we're a little bit of everything. And that's a great example. Like she as a three with a two wing and, you know, she was doing a lot of two things. <laughs> and, and, you know, as a three, like you would might very stereotypical two things, you know, to be a nurse is pretty stereotypical too. Even though there's, like you said, I will reiterate, there's all kinds of personalities, every kind of personality, you know, has probably been a nurse, right? So it's just like every personality can be an artist or any personality can be a CEO. So making that clear, um, again, um, but yeah, it's interesting that also she was engaging a strategy that was very three-like ultimately and not two-like, which was doing multiple things that was garnering um, greater achievements for a very particular end in a certain compactness of time. That That's a three strategy. And we can all take on that strategy no matter what type we are. And that's why we're talking about the three in us, you know, and the threes around us. Yeah. When we think about the three around us or the three in us, what else do you have to offer? Yeah. One, one of the things that came to mind that I think is important to notice about threes and their average in, in less integrated state is they don't have a longing for depth. And that what ends up happening is that they end up uh, kind of living in the space of whatever works is true. So whatever is working externally is true, and that's enough. There's nothing else that threes at an average state are very interested in. So in many ways, this is, I think, a cultural conversation and, and a place that we can look in American culture and on ourselves is when we lose desire for depth, when we d lose desire for substance, and when we are okay with whatever works, even when it's not good for us. And one thing that I sometimes say as an extreme kind of joke is that when people will say something like, well, it works, you know, like this is what works. And I'll say, well, cocaine works. <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's good for you, but it absolutely works. And there's all kinds of things that we can point to that fundamentally work. It depends on what our definition of work is. And I believe and think it's the best to consider what's actually healthy for us. Otherwise it doesn't actually work. It's some temporary you know, definition of working. This is the place of an average, you know, three, which our culture, I think, promotes this kind of attitude where whatever it is that's being presented on the surface, whatever the substitute is, as long as the substitute or the the quick, easy thing, whatever it is, if it works, then it's good. It's the same as meaning when it's actually not. So um, do you have any thoughts on that? It brought to mind the aspect of compartmentalization where I have, you know, I've seen this in threes where, hey, this works, don't touch it, right? Move on to the next thing and like kind of getting everything in a good place based on our cultures or even our own definitions of success and what is working. In terms of compartmentalization though, this is a question for you. And we haven't talked about this, so it could be completely off. But my mom told me whenever I was younger, she would only be able to punish me by taking away the thing that mattered most to me. And in that moment, I would shift and it would no longer matter to me. And so you've talked a little bit about how when you cut off something that's important to you, you kind of cut off a part of yourself. And I wonder in those moments where was I compartmentalizing that thing that was really working for me when it no longer worked and then just moved on to something else that would work for me? 
I think this is a, a place of a three, actually. I mean, I hadn't thought about this before, Chelsea, so we can think about it together. I do see this active in threes where they're able to set aside um, whatever gets in the way of their success and achievement. And it is in a kind of cutting off way, cutting themselves off. And threes are probably one of the types that are least in touch with their true feelings because they're so focused on the achievements and the, and the, the goals and, you know, the actions and performance that their feelings, they don't give space for because their feelings could often distract them or make it very difficult to achieve. So there's a couple things going on here, right? It's like whatever isn't working, like we talked about, is one way that we compartmentalize. And one of the things that it that doesn't often work in terms of, of performance and achievement are feelings. <laughs> so there's this is a good, this is also a very, very interesting place for threes that they're they're least in touch with their true feelings. They don't take the time because they're not looking inside and they don't spend a lot of time inside. And it's in an in an average a disintegrated way, it's because it gets in the way of a particular goal. So they end up compartmentalizing and then losing contact with what they truly feel. Yeah. Meanwhile, they have the Louis Vuitton bag and the Tesla mm -hmm. and the white picket fence, right? And so it's really hard, as you said earlier, for the culture that we live in to say, what's missing? When it looks like you have it all and it's all this kind of outward projection of status and ego to an extent, but also competence and credibility. Yeah. And there is a self-deceit in here culturally, right? Is it's the, it's the appearance of that is substituting for the real thing so that we are tricking ourselves. And I think this is the place for the three. I mean, we all, every human as self-deception. <laughs> so let's just be real honest about that, right? But in this context, this is a three place of where the, the self-deception is that all of these externalizations are actually representing and forming substance when they're not. And that's part of um, the reason why, you know, three sit at the place of deceit and also honesty is that there ultimately is no other type that's more in touch with the absolute truth. And what that requires is in, in an ultimate way, when I say the, the ultimate truth, is really the ultimate truth about oneself, meaning how we miss the mark, how we fail, which is a very tender place for a three because they want to avoid any possible failure. And so the ability to see the truth of how we fail and how we miss the mark, this is also the place of a three. And so how we self-deceive and then how we actually are able to connect with the truth of our self-deception. This is, this is all the space of a three. And ultimately, this might be a great kind of place to, to end, Chelsea, is that threes do teach us how to access truth, the truth about ourselves and the truth about humanity. And so it would be ultimately the three in us that in our moments of self-deception, that if we can recognize that self-deception or deception by our society, you know, in the deception of, you know, in any direction to get to what is actually more true and to choose that, like that is the place of, of a three. And the other place that I think is tied a little bit to this place of truth is hope. And someone I know 
who probably got it from somebody else, but does describes hope as both a will and a way that hope is comprised of having the will and having a way to get somewhere or to achieve something. And this is the place of the threes. Threes understand will. <laughs> they have energy and they know, and they understand motivation, right? This is the place of a three. And then a way, which threes also help us find, which is being able to see the goal and know how to get there. And these are the elements that comprise hope. And sometimes we can't access hope because we don't have a will and we don't see a way. And this is the place of a threes. These are, this is the three in us is when we can actually locate and engage hope and when we can locate and engage truth. Beautifully said. And so grateful for those threes and what they teach us. And the invitation here is that we all have this within us. And so to try on different forms of it, to, to work, to notice it in our lives and to lean into it and tap into it as we learn you know, what all the three encompasses and how we can make it part of our own lives. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to engage with us, find us on LinkedIn and keep listening to hear how threes are misunderstood.